And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or call 312-726-1243. Are you fascinated by current events, geopolitical tensions, and prophecy? Today, our guest, Joel C. Rosenberg, is someone who engages in all three. Joel is the author of 14 New York Times bestseller books. As a writer of fact-based fiction, he has repeatedly foreshadowed geopolitical realities through his work, particularly the world-changing events of September 11. His recent book, The Persian Gamble, portrays the forthcoming threat of nuclear warfare, a real concern in the present day. Joel, welcome to our show. Great to be with you. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background before you started writing these books? Sure. Well, I was a failed political consultant uh, for about 10 years. Uh, I, w- I lived and worked in Washington, and uh, as I got involved in various political campaigns, every single candidate that I ever worked for lost. <laughs> or, if, or if they did well, it was years after I was involved with them. So, uh, for example, I, I was working on the, um, the uh, campaign team of uh, then-former Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, that was in the fall of 2000. Uh, That went nowhere. It took him nine more years to become the prime minister, so I played no useful role. But anyway, that's that's really what I was doing, Um, and uh, ended up living here in Washington for about 24 years, where my wife and I uh, raised our four sons before moving to Israel, uh, where we are dual citizens, uh, U.S. and Israeli which means, you know, basically we get to vote twice, and it's sort of like living in Chicago. So, you know, it's kind of nice that way. That's right, uh, early and often. That's the way we vote in Chicago. There you go. <laughs> All right, how, how was it that you decided to start writing books? Well, by failing at everything else. Uh, you know, I'm one of the few Jews in America that didn't get the financial gene, so I'm not your hedge fund manager, your stockbroker, your accountant. Uh, so forth. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. So, uh, those are and those are great Jewish skill sets. But God didn't give any of them to me. So, I got the gift of making things up for a living, and uh, the gift of storytelling. And, uh, but you know, uh, I I actually went to film school. Um, I I wanted to write novels or screenplays since I was a kid. Uh, but I also got fascinated in uh, Russian and Middle Eastern geopolitics. So, uh, you know, I ended up being in Washington, and I, and I loved being here, and I loved all the people I got to work for. But it turned out that that was really just preparation for becoming a political thriller writer. And most political thriller writers um, have never had any experience in, in politics. I'm not sure that you need it. 
but it hasn't come in handy <laughs> because we've got about 5 million copies of my books have been sold. And, and that means that, you know, ordinary, regular, wonderful, everyday Americans are reading them. But what's also interesting is the type of leaders in Washington and around the world that are reading them. Uh, Vice President Mike uh, Pence and his wife Karen are friends of ours, and they became friends because we learned that they were reading the novels and enjoying them, and, and they reached out to us uh, back when he was in the House of Representatives. Um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is a reader of the novels. Uh, three former CIA directors, uh, senators, congressmen, and the King of Jordan read one of my novels a few years ago, and it happened to be about ISIS trying to assassinate him <laughs> and, and overthrow his kingdom. But rather than hating me and banning me from his kingdom forever, uh, the King of Jordan uh, actually invited my wife and me to come and spend five days with him and his advisors and military um, advisors and generals to learn what they were doing to make sure ISIS never <laughs> was able to do in yeah. real life what I had what I'd feared they could do in my novel. So, it, when when you're writing political thrillers that political people at the highest levels are reading, it that's a lot of extra pressure because they, these books have to feel real while still being made up. And it's a, it's a unique art form. I'm not sure if it's art, but anyway, it's, but it's fun. And in my case, uh, with, uh, because of my faith, my passion for the gospel, there's always a spiritual journey uh, that's going on inside the novels. Some very strong and clear, some a little lighter. But I don't want to just write political thrillers that keep you up all night, though that I do. <laughs> but not just that. I don't want you just cursing at me at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning because you've read my novel all night long and now you're exactly. furious with me because you have to go to work <laughs> in an hour. Uh, I do want that, and I love that, but I want to take you on a journey that is that is something that you're learning, and it's also something spiritually inspiring to you either as a believer or as an unbeliever. And that's one of the main reasons I write political thrillers. Well, and the readers are going to, in some sense, take on your worldview that you, that you discussed there. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit malkbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Uh, well, Joel, uh, tell us about a little bit about your personal faith journey and background and how it's influenced your writing. Sure. Well, on my father's side, uh, my dad was born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, in an Orthodox Jewish family. He's a first-generation American, he and his brother. His parents and grandparents uh, were Orthodox Jews that escaped out of uh, Russia, actually, actually out of white Russia, Belarus, uh, the city of Minsk, back in the early 1900s, when the Russian czar at that time, Nicholas II, was fomenting these horrible anti-Semitic uh, uh, you know, uh, attacks against Jews known as pogroms. And so my, my father's family escaped out of that horrible uh, period of Russian history, and rather than settle in Germany 
or Austria or Central Europe, as many Russian Jews did at that time, thinking, okay, whew, now finally we're safe. They, by God's grace, continued on across Europe, got on a steamship, got to America, set up shop in Brooklyn like any good Jewish family. <laughs> so that's my dad's side. My mom's side actually is Daughters of the American Revolution, English Methodist Wasp. <laughs> uh, now, my mom was raised in a Christian home, though uh, the church, uh, uh, her mother wasn't really a born-again believer. Her father was a violent alcoholic who left the family, and and the church that they happened to attend didn't preach the gospel. So my mom would have considered herself an agnostic Methodist uh, uh, growing up in the 40s and 50s. My father became an agnostic Orthodox Jew uh, by the time of the 1960s. He wasn't sure what he believed. And that's when they met in Syracuse, New York, uh, in 1964, got married in 65, had me in 67, and then went on a spiritual journey. Uh, They weren't sure how to raise me. They weren't sure what they believed. So they bought a Quran. (laughs) <laughs> and they began reading the Quran and thought, no, I don't really think we're going to become Muslims. And then they bought a Bhagavad Gita and they thought, maybe we'll become Hindus. And they yeah, no, that doesn't seem to be us. And uh, they, they bought a New Testament. They tried to read it. They didn't understand it. Uh, eventually, they, they visited a church where people actually preached the gospel very clearly, simply, um, and they used... Uh, a, a number of wonderful testimonies of people's actual lives who, who had been changed by becoming born again. They, they didn't understand that, but, but by the end of that service, my mother's heart was racing. She knew that was true, and that was what they were searching for, and she went forward and received Christ at the end of that particular service, assuming my father would be right behind her, uh, <laughs> but he was nowhere to be found. But later, she found him in the lobby drinking coffee, and he said, honey, I'm glad for you, but I'm Jewish. You know, the one thing I remember the rabbi teaching me when I was growing up was, Jesus ain't it. He ain't the Messiah. So, I don't know, he probably wasn't saying ain't up in Brooklyn, but right. you get the idea. Yep. So it took him a while. Uh, short version is that he joined a small group Bible study with my mother, uh, some young couples, and a a missionary who was on furlough from India was taking the group through the gospel according to Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And by the end of that six-month study, my father realized that Jesus really is the Messiah that his people had been waiting for, and he received Jesus as Messiah. And my father thought he was the first Jew since the Apostle Paul (laughs) who believed this. He had never heard of a Jewish person who, who believed that Jesus is the Messiah, and he never, he certainly never met one. And in 1973, there weren't that many. But I began to watch my parents' lives change very Joel, dramatically. Joel, we're going to come back after the break, because I want to hear the rest of your testimony. Coming up, we'll talk further with New York Times best-selling author Joel C. Rosenberg about his journey of faith and his writing. I'm Whit Brisky, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
In the wide, confusing world of law and lawyers, it's tough to find someone you can trust that shares your Christian values for legal advice and representation. You can trust Mauk and Baker, a Christian law firm based in Chicago that serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal matters. They seek to represent clients like you with integrity and care by using biblical principles as the foundation of their work. Additionally, their monthly newsletter highlights what's current in the religious liberty arena, keeping you informed on your right to worship, whether that's on the street, in public school, or within the walls of your church. Subscribe to their newsletter at maukbaker.com slash newsletter. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com slash newsletter. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243. Call and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. That's 312-726-1243. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney at Malkin Baker, a law firm based in Chicago which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of the show or want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today we've been speaking with New York Times bestselling author Joel C. Rosenberg, about his statement of faith. And now, Joel, we, we talked about how your parents came to faith. How did you come to faith? Well, I was six years old when my parents uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ. My mom first, and six months later, my father. And their marriage was on the road to implosion. Um, they were angry, anxious, uh, struggling people. I and I could see it, and I could feel it as a child. And then I began to see them change dramatically. Uh, and Christ was really giving them peace that passed all understanding. They weren't perfect, but they really were changing. Them. My father's volcanic temper was beginning to settle. And anyway, I began to see their marriage strengthen and, and a real love in, in them for me, for certainly for Christ, for each other. And, and that had a huge impact on me. And the short version was I came to faith in Jesus Christ at the age of eight. So that was 1975. I was born in 67. And, um, you know, and, and, and I began to grow in my faith uh, through, you know, elementary, middle, and high school. I had a real spiritual awakening in my high school uh, years in, in, as a junior. And, I mean, so much so that I, I began to become passionate about sharing the gospel to everyone in my high school. Um, and, and formed a group of young people to study the Bible together and share the gospel. Then got involved in Campus Crusade for Christ at Syracuse University, where I was studying filmmaking and politics, and um, met my wife-to-be there, um, Lynn. Uh, she was from New Jersey, and I had to get rid of all my New Jersey jokes when I <laughs> met her. You know, New Yorkers are not huge fans of New Jersey. But anyway, the Lord worked that out, and uh, we, we got married in 1990. And, uh, and moved to Washington, and that's where I began this uh, failed political life. But, you know, the Lord was working in such a way that we just had a, a real desire to advance the gospel and make disciples. And that, um, that was something that fused us together, and through all of my different professional journeys, uh, but especially through writing novels, this has been the greatest exciting season of our lives, because we're getting to be very open about the gospel um, wherever we go. I'm, I'm invited to meet with world leaders and 
um, and because of being a believer, by being an evangelical, I've been invited to meet with the leaders of Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, uh, United Arab Emirates, Israel, uh, among other uh, countries. So it's fascinating to be a novelist and uh, to entertain, but also be an evangelical that, has, that God has given a platform to um, that allows me to talk about issues of faith um, and, and to explain to people what does it mean to be an evangelical Christian, and, how, and especially as a Jew. <laughs> right, well. And I turned out to be the first Israeli citizen in history to meet with the leaders of Saudi Arabia. So that put me on the front pages of newspapers in Israel, as well as in mm-hmm. all the Arab countries, um, on television, talking about who am I and what do I believe and why do I believe there should be peace between Israel and the Saudis. And, but from a perspective of being an evangelical follower of Christ. So I'm kind of amazed. Um, and, uh, and again, the gospel is woven into each of these novels. So... Well. I was going to ask uh, some, you about that. Some more that. explicitly than others. I was going to ask you about how do you put the gospel in these in these thrillers? You know, I I think of uh, uh, you know these stories, and I wonder how you fit it in. Well, yeah, and and it, it, that's, it's it's a challenge. It, it's like fishing, right? Jesus said he would make us into fishers of men. So the question is, how do you fish in a way that draws people, you know, uh, you know, it's Jesus' analogy, so let's stick with it, but, but he's sort of luring people towards him, uh, right, trying to put the bait on the hook and drawing people towards him. Now, okay, it's not a perfect analogy, but it is a biblical analogy. Uh, the, the point is, I do a lot of, you know, killing, assassinations, explosions, hijackings <laughs> in the novels to hook, to draw people in, but often my main character is not a believer, so that you are seeing this person begin to go through very difficult, dangerous times, and they're meeting believers along the way, but are skeptical. Now, in the current series, with the most recent novel is The Persian Gamble, uh, I mean, our, uh, my main hero is a guy named Marcus Riker. He's a believer, but he's a quiet one. He's a former combat veteran, uh, decorated for valor, uh, serving in the Marines in Afghanistan and Iraq. He served as a United States Secret Service agent and was wounded in the defense of the president during an attack. So we, we have this character who, who he's a very strong, uh, heroic man, um, but he's, but you know, a Secret Service agent is not, the, the skill set is not to talk, <laughs> it's to watch <laughs> and to protect. And so it, it's, he's not exactly, you know, trying to share the gospel with everybody that moves. Um, and so, you, it's a unique character that has had a lot of troubles in his life, and he's, uh, he's lost his wife and son in a, in a terrible attack. And he's in a different place and time in his life, and he's trying to figure out how to, what, what's the Lord doing with him, and what, how does he serve the Lord? And then he gets, he gets involved in some very, very dangerous events in the Persian Gamble. So without getting into those specifics, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to write uh, a spiritual journey, a, a gospel uh, presentation in a way that, you know, that, that you can, that, that a king or a prime minister or a president or a CIA director or a senator will read it and not be a believer and, and not go, oh, this is ridiculous. This is just a tract. You know, this is just, 
you know, this is just propaganda. I'm not, you know, I've got to write a novel that really holds you as entertainment, that keeps you reading through the whole, you know, the whole thing. And, and weave in uh, the, uh, some sort of gospel narrative through the characters somehow. It doesn't mean that somebody's going to get saved in every book. People don't get saved every day in our own lives, I mean, unless you're a pastor or you know, a missionary. But most of us, we are in a long-term relationship with the people that we're trying to be a witness to. And so, uh, yeah, it's very difficult. <laughs> I'm competing up against all the best thriller writers in the country, and they are not trying to do this. <laughs> so I'm not saying I always do it well, but that is, that is a big part of why I do what I do. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Balkan Baker, and we're talking to Joel C. Rosenberg, an author who has been able to foreshadow future events through his writing. And uh, we don't have a lot of time left uh, in this interview, but uh, can you just describe one instance where your writing sort of foreshadowed or, uh, I hate to say predicted, uh, a future event? Well, the most famous uh, version was the first novel I wrote. It was called The Last Jihad, and the first page of The Last Jihad puts you as a reader inside the cockpit of a jet plane hijacked by radical Islamist terrorists coming in on a kamikaze attack mission into an American city. Now, it happens to be Denver, not New York or Washington, but I began writing that novel nine months before... September 11th, 2001. I was actually finishing the novel um, on the morning of 9-11, just a few chapters to the end. And that book leads from this kamikaze attack at the beginning, which had never happened, obviously, in American history, to a fictional American president declaring war on Saddam Hussein in the novel (laughs) and removing Saddam from power. And the, the novel released, The Last Jihad, released about five months before the United States went to war uh, with Iraq uh, to deal with Saddam Hussein, uh, and it was a big, you know, debate over whether we should or shouldn't. And wherever your listeners are thinking w- politically, don't think about that part, whether it was right or wrong, good or bad. Just think about writing your first novel, and that's your story. You know, right or wrong. It's not like we. I thought it was going to happen, but then it did happen, and that drew a lot of attention to these novels. And I was nobody had ever heard of me, and suddenly I was on a hundred and 60 radio and TV shows in less than 60 days. The, the novel was number one on Amazon. It spent 11 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. And people were like, Rose, who is Rosenberg? And how did he get this idea that these things could happen? And how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus anyway? What is that all about? So it was a very interesting time. Um, as, and that was how my novel career got kicked off in the fall Joel, of 2002. Joel, I'm sorry we're at the end of this. I had uh, probably another half an hour worth of questions, but I want to thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about your great books and uh, and your story of faith? Well, I appreciate it. Uh, the most recent novel being the, uh, the Persian Gamble. You can get it at any bookstore, um, and certainly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but you can also learn more about me and the books at Joel Rosenberg. Dot com Again, joelrosenberg.com. And you can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Thank you.
If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website and subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Whit Brisky at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.